We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Everybody to another edition of the Rock Pal Report podcast. I'm your host, Bill, season ticket holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And we're here tonight. I want to open with a conversation about birthdays. Last week, for those of you who don't know, it was Chris's birthday. And I forgot it. Blew right past it. Here's the fun thing. Chris, for someone who claims not to care about anything, I watched you. It it hurt a little bit that I didn't remember your birthday, didn't it? Uh, no, I was mad because I was expecting a bottle of liquor. Okay, it's the only re- I don't care that you know know or don't know my birthday. It's that okay if he at least remembered it. I get a bottle of liquor tonight, and I didn't. I got a bottle of liquor. Tonight from Doug. Well, you actually got a bottle. I got a bottle from Doug because Doug's a fucking gentleman. For those of you who don't know, Doug, if he's been hanging out with you for long enough, he just shows up at your house with booze sometimes. Like you buy him a pizza or two, and he goes, "Well, I can't let you." So he'll show up with something because he's cultured. Because Doug, it's from from good stock. It's from the the shows that he's been on this summer. I've made him gin cocktails, so he knows. That I know about gin, and he knows that I can make him a fucking excellent gin cocktail. So he showed up with gin. Now you, I do have, I do have in my hand an old fashioned with the Breckenridge bourbon that you got me. So I forgot Chris's birthday last week. I did not bring him his bottle. Later in the week, I had to go to a friend of mine's wedding, who he is now Potter. Yeah, Potter is now. In the fucking middle, might as well be in the fucking Sahara. Who goes to Dubai in July, August? Like he, they went to Dubai. It's hot here. 
You literally went to the hot, like, you went to one of the hottest places on Earth. I will say. You went to one of the hottest places on Earth during the worst month. There's deserts there for a reason. And you went there. Now, I'm sure they're having a good time. Here, this I'm not is the problem. To talk shit, but what this I will is, say is. Let me tell you the you problem. chose the worst month of the entire year. This is calendar. the problem. You get married and then you go on your honeymoon in July, August when you live in Buffalo. That's when it's great here. If you're going to get married and then go on a honeymoon. You go in, like, December, January, February when we're at our coldest, and you go to fucking Dubai, or uh, I would have I pegged Potter and Alexis to have gone to the uh, Redneck Riviera instead of fucking Dubai. I He'd can't be- wait for her to beat the shit out of you at a tailgate. It's going to be real funny this year. Uh, Potter, just so you know, glove, just make her take her ring off first before she hits him, because if she breaks her hand, it'll swell. And then they'll have to cut the ring off. That's just a little piece of advice that I like to follow. Um, the funny thing about this, right? Like we're here, like not trashing, but we're joking about them, like someone else taking a honeymoon. That dude is drinking at all inclusives and swimming with dolphins and having the time of his life. And we're sitting here in a basement. I still feel like he wins. No, I still feel like he wins. No. Now, birthdays to where this conversation started. So I had a wedding last week, and as I was leaving town, I went to the liquor store, and I said, okay, I'm going to get Chris's bottle, and I think I can bring it to him before I skip town. Timelines didn't line up, but I found a really good bottle that I go, I know he hasn't had this. I know, because this isn't something he would buy for himself. I'm going to buy it for him, because I just add to his collection, maybe it broadens his horizons a little bit. And then it sits in the back of my truck for a weekend. So then fast forward, I come home, I unpack, I forget to take it out. Now, this bottle is still just in a paper bag in the back seat. Tuesday rolls around, I have to go work from, you know, my work from home gig. I have to go into the office. So I'm on the throughway. And again, Chris, this is where we talk about karma and me not being a good person. Uh, like, you're a bad friend when you forget your friend's birthday, correct? No. Okay. I'm glad you believe that. I didn't feel that way. I was like, oh, this is a sign of me. Just this is my narcissism. I only care about myself. If if you don't advertise your birthday on Facebook, I don't know it. And realistically, like, I'll tell you a story. My my wife and I moved in together after being together for about a year and a half, almost two years. And our very first they're almost three and our first Wi-Fi password. I was like, I want to make it easy for her to remember. So I'm going to make it a name of something that she loves, and then I'm also going to put a number in it. And I go, oh, the best number is 13 because that's the day of her birthday. So it'll be easy for her to remember. So I tell her this, and I go, the number 13. And she looks at me and goes, that's not my birthday. (laughs) And she says, and I go, no, no, it is. She goes, no, I know when I was born. It's actually the 14th of March. It's Pi Day. It's the Ides of March. But there's two easy things to remember when my birthday is. How do you not actually know this by now? Which turned into a whole protracted thing. Chris, I forget her birthday. I'm sorry I forgot yours, but I don't remember anybody's. If it's not, like if I don't happen to open Facebook and see it. It's not a thing on my radar. But so the karmic thing of this is that this bottle of liquor is rolling around the back of my truck 
some asshole on the 90. There's 10 car lengths in front of him. I'm two cars behind him. He just brake checks everyone out of nowhere. We are, Luckily, there's no accident. Everything comes flying off my back seat, and then all I hear is gloop, 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 gloop. Chris, the top of that bottle fucking snapped off, and all of it just poured into the floorboards of my truck. Nice. Right now, my truck smells like a distillery. Nice. So you uh, had to get a new bottle. So I had to go buy you. I had to go replace it. And as I was there today picking it up, I was just laughing because I go, you know, none of this could, all this could have been avoided if you just remembered your friend's birthday. Yeah. Does that make you a bad friend for forgetting a birthday? No. No. There's different. Maybe if you're like a woman. Because if we, if I don't know if you look at Twitter, you know, there's certain people on Twitter that have to make it known that it's their birthday and have to wear sashes, and then uh, when they get blackout drunk, they apologize. Oops, it's my birthday. Or they do poorly timed photo shoots and admit to having bed bugs. <laughs> I can see that. No, like you'd be a, you'd be. A, for <laughs> when it comes to men, you would be a, you would be a bad friend if you, I don't know, hit on sh- your wife sh- on your birthday. Yeah, that would not that would not be <laughs> good. But like, if you ate one of your dogs, yeah, or if you like came to a fight and you didn't bring brass knuckles <laughs> or any, any kind of <laughs> underhanded. <laughs> Weapon of well, choice. Well, you'll never have to. You'll never have to worry about me, Chris. If that's your if that's your barometer, I will always be your best friend. Um, what I will say is this: this is relevant to the Bills as we start a Bills podcast. But, well, first of all, tell tell them what I got you. Uh, it's a Breckenridge Imperial Stout Cask Finish. Which? Uh, what do you think? It's pretty good. I used uh, pecan syrup. All right. In here. I bet you so so the darkness, it's, like the dark flavor that cuz I could smell it's that. It's pretty good. I've been smelling that whiskey in my truck. It smells like there's like a darker tint to it because like it was tinge. the same bottle that broke. Yeah. So there's a darker tinge to the flavor I bet, isn't there? Yeah, I like it. Yeah, see. There's not many bourbons or whiskeys where I try that I'm like I don't like this. And that might be because I'm like strictly cocktail guy. Like, my go-to is old-fashioned. That's why I have, like, I think I have, like, 85 bourbons and rye in my collection of alcohol. Is because, give me a old-fashioned Manhattan, close second, but, I mean, Manhattans I don't do often because sweet vermouth lasts for, like, six minutes when you open the bottle. Oh, yeah, no, it goes bad so fast. But so it's Marv Levy's birthday today. 98 years old, Marv. And so as I toast to you, Chris, I've got this cocktail you made for me in my hand. It smells very neutral. I don't it's, very, a, it's very simple. I get a very, like I said, I can't smell anything. Usually you'd at least smell liquor coming out of the glass. I'm interested to see what this is. Okay. 
There's something cinnamony in there. Something that there's like a spice to it. I don't even know what spirit that is. I'm going to assume it's bourbon. What do I have here? You have what is called a full Monty. Okay. It's very simple. You could make it. Angostura bitters, rye whiskey, and Amaro Montenegro. What the hell is that? Did you just make up a place? Amaro. Montene- isn't Montenegro a place? Could be. Isn't that the thing from James Bond where he went and played cards in, like, uh, Casino Royale? Uh, it is a country in... It's a Balkan country. Yeah! Yeah, but there's such a thing called Amaro Montenegro. Okay. Amaro is an Italian aperitif. There's a ton... Like, that's the thing that I'm getting into right now this is... is super drinkable. Is Amaro... I can crush this thing right now. Is Amaro's. So, I... I got... My, uh... Jessica's mom got me a gift card to Premier, and I went... And I bought a bottle of Amaro Montenegro because I already have Amaro Nanino. I still need to get a bottle of Amaro Averna because when you missed out on the cover one thing because of the wedding, Mm -hmm. which they had, we were drinking Black Manhattans, which were excellent, that had Amaro Averna in it. I'm like trying to build up my Amaro collection, but it's an Italian aperitif. Pretty well, big in in Italy, and it's well, this cocktail is smooth. It's two to one Amaro to the rye. So, talking about this, like I'm just I'm thinking about the birthday of Marv Levy. He's ninety. First of all, ninety eight years old. I don't want to live that long. No, I feel like that's a terrible idea. And so I think back to Marv Levy. Like you're ninety eight years old. Think about all the hats he's worn for this football team. Marv Levy has gotten, like, he's been forgotten, I feel like. Not not by guys our age, but I think that, like, a lot of the people who recently became Bills fans, they know the name Marv Levy, but I think think, they, of, think, of, think of somebody uh, that is of Ryan Sullivan's age. Yeah. He's that type. All I can think about is... Like, you're talking about the guy who took this franchise in the NFL. Like, since the merger, nobody had been able to make this team a high-level success. He's the one who harnessed all of those personalities. He's the one who harnessed all of those talents and made them work in concert to a degree that we did something no one's ever accomplished, which is four straight Super Bowls. Like, the league was work. At some point, the league was against us. They're like, listen, these assholes can't go to a fourth one. We can't see this again. Did uh, Brady and the Patriots ever go to four in a row? No. No. Nope. Nope. I think the closest. Well, they at least won. So they have that going (laughs) for them. They did win. So they have that going for them. But the reality of how good Marv Levy really was, like, it comes down to that. Like, his ability to manage people. He was a leader, was a leader of men. It, it wasn't so much the X's and O's. He wasn't an Andy Reid type. Or even like a... Like if you want to think about the guys who... Or like, you know, I'm listening to the radio today and they're talking about this. And they're talking about his... You know, the, the Marv Levy and the guys that he was... And they tell the story where there was, a, there was a clinic being put on about head coaching for guys who wanted to get into coaching. And... 
uh, Bear Bryant was giving the dissertation. Like, he was going to be one of the keynote speakers, and he got delayed. So all of the people, all the coaches who had showed up, like, they came to this clinic, they heard a bunch of other people speak. Everyone wanted to go see Bear Bryant, but Bear Bryant's plane got delayed, and he was going to show up late. So everyone fucking left because they didn't think he was actually going to come. And so it was just a handful of coaches left, and this guy shows up, and it's Bear Bryant, Marv Levy, Dick Vermeil, uh oh my god, there's there's like a couple more like high guys who went on to win college national championships, guys who went on to contend for the Super Bowl, to win the Super Bowl, uh the coach who took Stan Humphrey's Chargers to the Super Bowl. Like coaches who made a difference <laughs> and these guys were the only ones sitting in the room when bear bryant shows up and he was like well, listen if you guys were going to be here i'm going to stick around and he nuts to bolts taught them about what it takes to build a high level football team how you pick a staff how you train a staff how you teach how you promote how you handle egos in the locker room how to manage people and personalities. And that group of coaches went on to accomplish great things. And he's like, oh, yeah, we all just because there was like six of us left. We all just got drunk with him in his hotel room for like two and a half hours. Chris, the man is a legend. And I think about that. And then I think about what I've heard of the X-rated halftime speech he gave the team during the comeback. And I just know that he capped it off with, for some of you, this is the last 30 minutes of your season. For some of you, it might be the last 30 minutes of your career. At the end of the day, you got to be able to look yourself in the mirror. That's it. And he just left it at that and walked away. And whatever, like, Chris, you talk about the comeback. Like, obviously, now the Colts hold the record for the biggest comeback. Or no, the uh, is it the Vikings? Hold the yeah. biggest comeback because the Colts are a bunch of shitbags. Yeah. We were th- th- we were both highly competitive teams, us and the Oilers, when we had the comeback. The comeback is one of the craziest games to ever happen. It's one of the wildest things in history, and it remains, even though we don't have the title of the biggest comeback anymore. You think about what sparked that? Is that man right there having an understanding of people? That's rare. It's rare. And it's funny that we've now entered this like second golden era of Buffalo Bills football on the back of another coach who seems to get people first and X's and O's second, right? Mm-hmm. The thing Marv Levy did was he settled the culture here. He had Marsha Broda. He, then he had, uh, what's his face? We've talked about him before. Who was the next offensive coordinator after Marsha Broda left? God, he had good coaches. He had very, very talented coaches. So his Sean McDermott had Sean McDermott was himself a very talented defensive coordinator, but he turned it over to other talented people. Tom Bresnahan, like Bresnahan. So you watch these two guys operate and you look at him and you go, Chris, am I wrong for saying that like greatest coach in franchise history? Marv Levy. Since neither one of them have a ring yet, Marv Levy's it. And then he's the guy who came back 
He didn't have to. He came back to tr- because he was loyal to the owner. This franchise was a laughing stock. Everyone knew it. He came back to try to save us. And everyone likes it. I know people who like to poke fun at. They were like, oh, it's a publicity stunt. It's sure it was. But also it was one man looking at a guy who had employed him for years and who he had the best years of his coaching, the best years of his life with and said, I hate that you're down like this. Let me step in here and try to help. Do you know what happens this year? What? Sean McDermott is going to move into second all time for wins in Bill's history. That's crazy. Behind Marv Levy? Yeah. He has to pass Lou Saban. And he is... Hold on. I'm on pro football reference right now. Uh, This seems... I mean, it makes sense. Five coaches that are above 500 all time <laughs> in, in Bill's history. Chuck Knox, Lou Saban, Wade Phillips, Marv Levy, and Sean McDermott. How many coaches did we go through? Give me the number. Oh, God. I'll, uh, I mean, no, it says 20 coaches. <laughs> 15 have losing <laughs> records. <laughs> that, if nothing else, underscores the value of fucking Marv Levy. Right? Yeah. He and has... So- uh, McDermott has 62 wins all time. And uh, Marv Levy's at 112. God. It's going to be a weird day when he overtakes it, right? Well, Lou Saban, who's in second, is at 68. So he's got... McDermott's going to have to be here for like 10 years. McDermott's only had one losing season. Yeah. Let that sink in. One losing season. That's uh, some of you lunatics are out there going, we should fire this guy. It's like, well, yeah, but you better have a fucking plan. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm, a, I'm I'm not above any decision you make to get better. You just better have a plan because that guy, he's the best thing we've had since Marv Levy. And Marv Levy is a hell of a guy. And I got a funny story about him. So my old boss, they had the... Uh, they had his like his rehearsal dinner at uh, a restaurant near the stadium, and it turns out that's where Marv Levy and his wife like to go for fish fries. And so his dad wrangled with the owner of the restaurant to be like, "Listen, we're going to rent it out for his thing, his party." And so there's kind of like some commotion going on by the door and he's looking over and they're coming over and they go, "Yeah, this guy's coming in. He wants to get dinner. You know, it's it's Marv Levy." You know, but we told them, you know, it's not a thing. It's close. And they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, 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 no. You get him in here. So there is a picture of him with Marv Levy and his wife. And his wife has no idea why they're taking a like fresh eyed, bright, bright eyed, bushy tailed my boss and this guy and his wife who has no idea why she's taking a picture with an old man. It's one of the greatest photos I've ever seen with my own two eyes. Because <laughs> he was like, absolutely not. You're not throwing out Marv Levy. Do not kick that man out of the building. If this is where he wants to get a fish fry on a Friday night, you fucking let him get a fish fry. <laughs> He's Marv fucking Levy. <laughs> That's the reverence I think a lot of people hold for him, correct? Yeah. And, and earned, rightfully so. And it's hilarious to see him make 98 
Now, I, I ran into him at the Legends and Stars event a few years ago, and it was one of those things where he walked past, and everyone, like, we're on TV, and I'm just dumbstruck. I just watched him walk past, and I did the thing, like, like you know how when a hot girl walks past and you see everybody move their, like, heads? They do the head turn? Yeah. I did that for Marv Levy, and it threw everybody else off, and they all started laughing, because they were like, Drew's just open mouth, staring. I go, I didn't think I'd be 10 feet away from this guy ever in my entire life. And now he's here. And they tried to take him on a door that was locked. <laughs> and then they had to bring him back across. So we were like, we're cut, cut to a commercial real quick so that we can all talk to Marv. It was one of the funniest things. Just, I love the guy. So Marv, 98 years. I hope I never see 98, but God bless you for doing it. Cheers. Happy birthday, sir. Chris? Cheers to Marv Levy. To Marv. Now, as we break down some of the other news topics of the week, I'd like to point out that Josh Allen is petty just like us. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For those of you who didn't see it, you can find it on our Twitter feed at Rockpile Report, or you can just go to I, I think Sunday Night Football on NBC made like the Twitter handle, like Sunday Night Football on NBC made a thing about it. Last season was the first time Josh Allen had ever met Peter King. It was the first time Peter King, longtime sports writer, had ever come to the Bills training camp. He's also an idiot. Let's not leave that out. Peter King, you're an idiot. Wait, does it come from upbringing? Yeah. <laughs> Peter King's an idiot. Why, why do you say that? Um, qualify this. I'll, I'll, I'll qualify it with uh, two words. Clay Travis. Oh, no. <laughs> all right. Well, we all, all right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. So Peter King is at Bill's training camp. And he's interviewing Josh Allen last year. And at the end of the interview, Josh Allen, he's, he's like, I'm being interviewed by Peter King. This is a cool moment. Awesome. Sticks his hand out for a handshake. And Peter King just turns back to the camera and starts talking and just leaves him hanging. Well, to be fair, Peter King was going for his outro. Sure. But you shake a man's hand. Yes. You shake a man's hand. But Josh stuck it out there right at the perfect moment where Peter King didn't see it. So it was also brilliant play 
by Josh to keep. He's like he keeps his hand out. He didn't take it away, and he's looking at everybody in in the back. Like, like guys, is you anyone see else? This? Is you anyone see else this? seeing me getting see snuck? this? So fast forward to 2023. Peter King here for the very first week of Bill's training camp, and he's here and he's talking to Josh, and he goes, "Hey." And he puts his hand out for a handshake, and Josh Allen throws the microphone in the ground and walks away. <laughs> yes! Chris, this is why I love this football team. It's why I love that guy. Now, for those of you, like, I have a permanent reminder of the time when I didn't like him. I literally fell off, our, fell off that podium in my garage yeah. after that Tennessee Titans win. A win, no less. Where I declared that Josh Allen was not the quarterback of the future, and I permanently chipped my elbow. So now if I bang it too hard, it just swells up, and there's a little fluid that collects there. It's terrible. Josh Allen is petty the same way we are. That only makes me love him more. How, if you're Peter King, like, what do you say to that? How do you come back from that? You don't. You don't. You just have to let it go, right? Does he now? Is this a thing with him and Josh Allen? The handshake, probably. Next year, are they going to get into a Mexican standoff? Like, will he? Won't he? Yeah, guys, the video is worth its weight in gold. Go check it out. As we move on through other topics, I want to discuss tonight. One of the things, more training camp related, like as we, because obviously that's the soup du jour. It's what everyone's doing. It's what we're talking about. There's a thing going on at training camp that we didn't get a chance to talk about in this week's actual training camp update, or at least our recap of week one and our synopsis, our thoughts. And it's this concept that the Bills have added Jace Sternberger. And everyone goes, who? Fucking what? It doesn't matter. He's just another guy. I've heard of him. I've heard of him, too. When he was drafted, he was talked about being this tight, and I believe the Saints drafted him. And the concept was is that he's a vertical threat. He's not going to give you much as a blocker. But he will catch the ball as you go down the field. Uh, let's take a look at this. Here we go. Okay, he's played 18 NFL games. Packers, third round. Okay, Packers, third round. And they go, he's, he's a vertical threat. He can do some things. What does he have? 15 targets with 12 catches, 114 yards, and a touchdown in 2020. That's it. That's his only work in the NFL to speak of. Small sample size. Then he goes to the USFL, and he's one of the best players on the field. He's a man playing with boys. So the Bills pick him up and make him a depth tight end. But the thing is, who is he competing with here? Quentin Morris? Quentin Morris was an undrafted free agent rookie who also has no real stats of merit. But yeah, if you pull up his USFL stats and then look at Quentin Morris on Pro Football Reference, if you could pull up Quentin Morris in a separate tab. All right. Okay, here we go. So we're about to compare this. Now, one of them, Jay Sternberger. While you look for that, I'll talk about Jay Sternberger. Jay Sternberger playing in the USFL. Fourth in the league with 517 receiving yards, seven receiving touchdowns, which was the most of any player in the USFL. (laughs) Like, his receiving chops are good enough that 
you can't discount the fact that you're like, well, he was a he's, he's a street free agent. He was playing against other guys who were better than most college guys who don't make the NFL, and he scored seven touchdowns. Quentin Morris, on the other hand, was an undrafted free agent rookie, and Chris, what does he have? One touchdown, 11 targets with eight catches, 84 yards to his name. Jay Sternberger has just as much production in the NFL as Quentin Morris. There is a legitimate battle to be had here for who's going to be this third tight end if you're talking about Sternberger versus Morris. And the thing that I want people to familiarize themselves with now, here in week one, so that you can move into weeks two and three of camp and watch this through the right lens, or at least the way I'm looking at it, is this idea that, again, who they pick here is going to tell you a lot about the philosophy of the team. Right now, who do they have at tight end, Chris? Dawson Knox, Dalton Kincaid. Those guys are both primarily pass catchers. Neither one of them have made their bones being a run blocker. No. Okay. So if I go to pro foot, so now I'm going to look this up. If I go to pro football focus, because I just want to see some of the numbers. If I go Quinton. We also have Joel Wilson. Who? Whatever that is. The whatever that is. At tight end. Now, J- Joel, J- 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 just not going to be here. Just not going to be here in September. That's it. That's all. That's all I need here. Um, when you look at the overall rankings for Quentin Morris, it's not great, right? Like he does some things well, but he's not a great run blocker. He's not a great pass protector. He's just a guy who's an athlete playing the tight end position. Well, so is Jay Sternberger, and he's proven that. He's proven that he has some receiving chops. If you've decided that you're going to funnel your offense through tight ends that catch the football and stretch the field, and that's what you want in a Kincaid, Knox, two tight end offense, then it would make sense almost that you want a third tight end who can replicate what those guys do in the event of injury, correct? Yeah. This battle has real chops, and I feel like no one's talking about it. I feel like it's not a thing that anyone's discussing. Quentin Morris is not a lock for this roster. He hasn't done anything to warrant that, I believe. And realistically, Sternberger is a player who, if you want to talk about a vertical passing game, he can give you things that Quentin Morris simply can't. Right? Like, it's just not what he's going to be. If you look at any of the draft profile stuff on what the two players were supposed to be, Sternberger is the guy who they go... He's a seam threat. He's this, he's that. Quentin Morris was an afterthought. And he was an afterthought last year in the Bills offense. I feel like there is an there's a good chance. And I can't handicap it yet. I I'm going to try by next week after reading the camp reports. I want to revisit this, but I'm going to be paying very close attention to how those two jockey for position and reps. And I'm going to, some of the guys we know who will be on the sidelines, I'm going to put a bug in their ear and go, hey, just keep an eye on this for me. Come back to me and let me know how it goes. Because I have a, I have a feeling that Sternberger could make a big push for tight end three, and no one's really giving him his due. Is that fair to say? Makes sense. And I think one of the other big developments out of camp is just this idea that DeMar Hamlin is back. Now, take all the kitschy... What's the, it, well, what's the thing? 
dude died on the field and he's still going to make it back before Michael Thomas? <laughs> Holy shit, that's funny. I'm cracking a Montucky to that. Wow. You dug deep for that one. I've seen it before on Twitter and or Instagram. Oh, my God. So this idea that DeMar Hamlin, like we all sat here. Let Chris, I've listened and I made the mistake of drunkenly re-listening to that podcast we recorded. I got hammered probably about a month ago. And just put it on and listen to it from start to finish. I never listen to our podcasts. Most people go, oh, well, we listen back to our shows because I want to see where I can improve. I don't need to improve. <laughs> I'm, I, not, I'm not great and I never will be. I did that for the first two or three years of the podcast. And then you stopped. Yes. Because one, you realize I'm not going to change. No. I'm like Mac. I'm dug in. <laughs> I'm like Mac from Always, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I'm dug in and I'll never change. And you realize that we are what we are. It's going to be this weird mix of professionally produced, wildly unprofessional nonsense. That's what this show is. I listen back to that show and I'm all teary eyed. And then my wife shows up and it's 3 a.m. And she's like, what are you doing down here? Why are you crying? And I was like, get out of here. There's nothing. There's dust. There's a lot of dust in the room. And I chased her out. It was just a whole. I digress. I re-listened back to that podcast we were just hopeful that he would wake up. That that guy would walk the earth again. That guy's in pads. He's got a helmet on. Do you know how terrifying that must be? Yeah. Do you know how scary it has to be to face the thing that literally almost killed you? And go, you know what? I'm getting back in the barrel. I, it's a hell of a thing. I like it's it's the whenever I start when I, when I see people who are being overly negative about training camp or a player's performance or something that's going on. I just think to myself, I can't be negative about anything that's happening here because this dude is walking around out there, not just walking around. He's making plays. He's in there picking off footballs and making plays. He's taken hits. He's And he admitted it. And I think that that's one of the things that I've found very refreshing about him as a player, him as an athlete. He's doing this thing where he tells everybody what he's thinking. He goes, because they said, they're like, well, you, you, you got thumped on this one play. What went through your head? And he admits, he goes, yeah, it was, it was a little scary. Like there was, he's like, there's a part of me that is afraid but there's a bigger part of me that's just overjoyed to be back out here. <laughs> just doing the thing I was born to do, which is be an NFL safety. It's a hell of a story, Chris. He's made all the rounds. He's been at the ESPYs. He's been at this stuff. I like that when the cameras are gone, the bright lights are gone. He is the same guy that he was before his incident. That the amount of testicular fortitude that that takes. I don't know that I have it. <laughs> I, I mean, I go back to the, the me on Divini's roof. You know, guys, we're doing a South Buffalo roof. I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but the pitch on these roofs, Chris, you've seen them 45 degree angle. Is that fair? 
Yeah. Maybe even that's being a little generous because it's not a, a perfect 45. It usually tips a little bit farther because they know those people don't have ladders tall enough to get the snow off the roof. So the roof has to be pitched so that it slides off on its own due to weight and gravity. We're up there cleaning my friend's roof off, and I remember saying it before we went up on top. You know, we're trying to save my friend a buck. He lives on Tiff Street. I'm going, okay, guys, before we go up on the roof, one, if you if you see somebody fall, don't be a hero. We don't need two people in the hospital. You just let them go. Don't, it was like, we don't need two people in the hospital. If you start to fall, don't be an asshole and grab the guy next to you because we don't need two people in the hospital. We're all going up there without harnesses. We're doing this completely unlicensed and uninsured. We're just going up there to do a roof. And we were doing it. And we were doing a great job. And we had the whole back half of the house right down to the cedar shake tiles. And I'm brooming it off, trying to make it more palatable for everyone to walk around on. And Chris, both my feet shoot out from underneath me. And I'm just rocketing down the edge of this house straight towards the ground. Doug, who was on the show last, and my buddy Davini are looking up going, we're going to watch. Doug said it crosses his mind. He goes, today's the day I get to watch Drew die. <laughs> like, it's been so long. It's been so long in the making. Here it is. I'm going to see it. And I was calm. And I hooked my heels into the gutter. And I tried to create as much drag as I could to slow me down. I got wide like a starfish. And it kept me on the roof. <laughs> like I, I kicked the gutter clean off the house. We had to go fix that with the scaffolding. But it saved me. And I go up there, and I'm, I'm back on my feet, and I'm laughing, and I get my stuff, and I come down, and I get a bottle of water. And Divinity comes up to me, and he's like, you know, you, you don't have to go back up there. Like, that was crazy. You almost died. You don't have to go back up there. And I looked at him, and I was like, yeah, but I don't mind being up there. And now the worst thing, the worst thing that could happen to me did happen, and I'm still here. If anything, it almost made me feel bolder about being up there. In that way, I look at this thing with Damar Hamlin and I go, he's doing what he has to do mentally to get back out in front of this so that it doesn't haunt him. So that this isn't a thing. I understand what is. Now, did I feel that? Did I genuinely like was I did I feel safe when I first went back up on that roof? Chris, could a human being? After almost dying on something, going back to it, could you possibly feel good about it? No. No! But I did it because I knew that to myself I had to convince myself that I could get back up. Do you there. think I felt fine <laughs> garnishing this old fashioned that I drank, knowing what happened with my. Yeah, my the day you did it! I couldn't believe it's that you got right back into it. The day you sliced your finger off. And then a day later, you're making me a cocktail with a fucking slicer. Yeah. And a garnish. And I was just like, that's that's all right. a boy, you got to get back at it. But for... And, like, there's the bravado of it where you want to be like, hey, that's what you do as a man. No, what it is is that this is the thing that makes me happy is being able to help my friends or being able to make a cocktail or play the game of NFL football. It's the thing that gives my life meaning. So even though it almost killed me, I'm going to get back in there and do it again because this is the thing that gives my life meaning. And I want to embrace it. 
And I'm not afraid, like I am afraid, but I'm not afraid enough to not try it. I respect the hell out of the fact that he's back out there. And not just back out there, Chris, because if he was, like John Fina made a comment once when we were doing a a podcast at O'Neill's about the idea of training camp and what it is. And he called it being on the breadline. If you're just a player who's on the breadline, it means you're just here, you're taking reps, but you're not actually in. You're not earning. You're just a dude who's taking his paycheck and you're taking your reps. <laughs> that's it. That's all, that's all anyone cares about. Those guys get weeded out pretty quickly. Hamlin's out there hitting guys, trying to regain his spot as a reserve safety or a backup safety on this football team. I respect the hell out of it. I think it's one of the coolest developments of training camp so far is that he hasn't shied away from it. He hasn't had any setbacks. I can only imagine what goes on in his head. Every snap, after practice, in the lock, those quiet moments where it's just you. You're like, man, I was this close today. (laughs) I almost got hit really hard today, and I could have shriveled. I could have shied away from it. Instead, I took that guy on. It's like he has to reteach himself how to be a football player, but it seems like he's already there. It's such a rare thing. For him, I'm just incredibly happy. My, like, this has been one of the storylines of camp I've wanted to just keep an eye on in case it did go sideways. I didn't want to talk about it in the run-up to it, but I was just, knowing he was at OTAs, I go, okay, all right, he's going to try to get back into this. I wouldn't blame him if it failed. To see him flourishing, it, just Chris, it's like when the Grinch's heart grew ten sizes. Yeah, <laughs> on Christmas Day. That's how I feel watching this play out. And I think that as camp goes on, I'm going to be because they keep they keep giving veteran rest days to Poyer and Hyde, as they should. Correct. Yes. I look forward to to hearing more about Demar Hamlin winning that backup job. Not just having it handed to him because he's a name, a figurehead, an icon of what, like, you know, because of his injury and now his social status and the charitable work that's going on, but literally because he believes, hey, all of this stuff is great, but but I want to be a football player. And he's going to go out there and put his ass on the line again. And he's going to go make hits and make plays and catch balls and bat balls away and make interceptions. I love it. It makes me so happy, not just as a fan of football, but it just as a Bills fan, dude. Like, this is the thing. So at the top of the show, we talked about Marv Levy. Marv Levy thrived on players like Hamlin. From top to bottom, that roster. Backups, right? Like, you need guys like Hamlin. You're going to go to four Super Bowls. You're going to make a Super Bowl if you're a Sean McDermott. You need guys like Hamlin who are like, hey, this game is my life. Right? Yeah. When you take him into a locker room and you say to yourself, guys, we're in the worst position we possibly could be. Which is where Hamlin started this season. You got to fight your way out to a man. It's on you. Hamlin's shown he's up for it. I love this. I love what this team is culturally. 
and I I hate that we lost it when Marv Levy left. I love the fact that Sean McDermott has rekindled that in this locker room when he arrived. And I just, I'll tell you what, Marv is the guy. Like, he's on the Mount Rushmore of Buffalo Bills, <laughs> if you're talking about figureheads. Sean McDermott's not far behind him, and I'm hoping he's the one who can finally finally do the thing while Marv's still alive to see it. Go win that ring. Go win it. Go win it off the backs of guys. Obviously, it's going to be the Von Millers and the Josh Allens and the Stefan Diggses. But in order to get there, you're going to need the guys. You're going to need the Hamlins. You're going to need the... Uh, uh, who's our slot cornerback there? I don't know why I'm blanking on his name. Fuck. Teron Johnson. It's the, it's the Teron Johnsons of the world. It's the guys who have guts. It's, it's your guts, guys, who are really going to drive things. That's how you win. And I feel like this team, but this player himself, just kind of underscores what we have in that regard. I'm excited. I'm incredibly excited to see just how this all plays out, and Just not just for Hamlin, but for the team. It's a great time to be a Bills fan, isn't it? It is. This is, we're in like the second golden age of this franchise. And it's with that that I raise a glass one more time to DeMar, to to Marv Levy, and to all of us who hope that this is like, this is the start of something great this season, this training camp, the way things are going. But for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your Rock Power Report. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.